0: I'm Mike Gorman and you're listening to the Celtics Pod Podcast for Celtics Vlog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Happy Wednesday, y'all. We're carrying on with this media exit interviews. So you had John Corrales on Monday, so I thought maybe we go with his stablemate. He's significant other, shall we say? Mr. Tom Westerholm. How you doing today, buddy? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure, man. Pleasure's all mine. Give these uh, listeners something to a little bit different to chew on. So we generally jump straight in. The first question I asked John, I'll keep it kind of similar, is for you. What was your best, like most rewarding moment of the season for you personally?
1: So I had a, I had a couple of really good ones actually, bef- like just before the season, um, where I was, uh, I was kind of digging into some of the, some of the rookies, um, kind of getting into. Um, Kind of introducing myself to them and, uh, you know, just like getting into, um, you know, their backstories. And I had a, I, I had a couple of stories that I that I wrote early on that I felt were really, um, really interesting. Um, you know, obviously, Romeo Langford and, and Carson uh, Edwards, they didn't, they didn't play much this season, but it, it was cool to kind of, uh, you know, connect with their families and connect with them and, and sort of get a sense of what made them tick a little bit. So I think um, for me, it was probably those two, um, you know, really, Kind of learning quite a bit about who they are. You know, they're they're not just like the faces on the bench who are dancing. You know, they're they're interesting guys and you know with with interesting basketball backstories. So I would say that those two um, were probably two of my favorites. Because and then obviously during the year it was just chaos. I mean, there was it was an interesting team and then you know COVID happens and before COVID Jason Tatum decided to become a superstar. So it was a it was a chaotic year, but I, I really enjoyed you know kind of learning about guys that you might not, you know, always hear about as much. And you're big on the draft as well, right? I've been told that your
0: draft um, your draft picks usually work out quite well. So do you kind of look Less forward generous, to but... <laughs> it? Uh, I've been told by multiple people. So do you find it's kind of interesting you get to study these guys from afar when they're off in college, and then you get to kind of put a personality to that face once they're in a Celtics uniform?
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, so... Romeo, um, you know, I I knew about him, I knew that, you know, he had obviously like, you know, that he had a very versatile skill set that his jumper wasn't very good, but he had a, you know, that he had thumb problems. So there were, you know, there was potential to be good, like, you know, all that stuff from watching film and from researching the guy. And then, you know, when you're digging into his backstory, and you just kind of learn like, oh, this guy is like a literal god in southern Indiana, like everybody loves him. Like he is, he is a literal rock star. He was like signing autographs for like two, two and a half hours after every high school game um, in Southern Indiana. And you just kind of learn that stuff about him and you're like, wow, this is like you said, like I, I this is like personal stuff that I didn't know. That's um, really fun to find out. So yeah, a hundred percent. I would say that like, um, that's, that's one of the most fun things I think about, Knowing a lot about the draft is that I obviously I love hoops. I love watching these guys. I love, you know, sort of predicting and trying to guess like, hey, this guy's going to be good at this, this and this in the NBA. But then when you like learn about him as a as a person, um, that's the really rewarding stuff. That's what's I I think really fun about this job and about, um, you know, kind of kind of digging in during the offseason. I'd like to get to know a couple of
0: these guys myself, but it's uh, much more difficult. Anyway, I just wanted <laughs> to chuck that in. No, Romeo, Romeo is probably the rookie that I've got the most hope for as well. So I'm hoping that he can reestablish himself as a rock star, except at this level. <laughs> Moving on, you've had a, a few achievements this year. One of them starting a podcast, um, Gino Time, if anyone's listening. I enjoy listening to that, by the way. Appreciate what would that. be
1: your biggest achievement of the year? It's a good question. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think <laughs> th- this year is actually, no, I got, I, th- I think probably the, my favorite thing that I, that I, that I did this year, at least like achievement wise um, was probably, I did a Jalen Brown story that I, that I really liked. Um, you know, I, I talked to, uh, to his, uh, the, the coach that he works with on the team, Tony Dobbins. And um, he, Tony just gave me like a lot of really interesting stuff. And I was able to kind of Um, you know, learn a lot about Jalen and hopefully convey a lot of that stuff about like how hard he works, you know, two days after the season, he was back in the gym with with Tony Dobbins, just, you know, getting it in because he was really frustrated from 2018, 19, like everybody else was. So, um, so that, I mean, that was a, that was a good one for me. And then I think just, you know, you like, I'm still a pretty young beat writer in terms of how long I've been on the beat. You know, I've only been on it for a couple of years. Um, So, you know, I think, not so much an achievement, but just sort of as you as you do the job, you sort of like gain an understanding of like, okay, like I should, I should try to like talk to these people more. I should try to, you know, watch this kind of film more, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, just kind of improving in those ways uh, I think is, it's not so much an achievement as much as something that you're kind of like really glad that you did over the course of the year, if that makes sense. How hard is it to kind of like, I mean, going into being
0: a beat writer and stuff and you're in the locker room you're obviously the first thing you think of is i need to make my way directly to the stars and speak to them 95 percent of the time how hard is that to kind of get yourself out of that mentality and know that you need to distribute yourself around that locker room a bit
1: more so for me I, i can't speak for everybody else but for me it's actually really easy because i like we all kind of know the big stories you know what i mean like we all kind of know like okay like Jason Tatum is is really good. You know, he's really close with his mom. He, you know, he has that whole backstory with his mom. We all know that. Like, we all know that Kemba Walker, you know, went to UConn. Like, you know, was a champion there. Did barely, you know, barely made the playoffs in Charlotte. Now he's got a chance to be around this great team. Like, we all know that stuff. Um, so for me, it's actually it, it, it's a lot more interesting to try to to just go talk to the other guys. And I mean, it might not be about basketball. It might be like, you know, uh, you know, something about like Grant Williams always has like, he's probably the worst dressed guy on the team and everybody knows that anybody's very funny about it or, you know, uh, um, you know, Brad Wanamaker, like, like just anything about these guys that people don't know as much that that's more interesting to me because then I'm finding out new stuff. So I would rather do that. And, and, and I think, you know, I think Corral has touched on this on, on, on your pod with him. Um, the, the other thing to remember is that the, the stars are so guarded, um, you know, like Tatum, he's, he's, just very rarely going to let you, you know, kind of behind the scenes. The one time I've ever felt like I really, you know, got got kind of behind the scenes with him was when I was talking to him about Deuce. And he told me about how, um, you know, the Celtics didn't know that Deuce was um, coming until like two weeks before he was born. And it was like, you know, that, that kind of thing, when you get that with a star, it's really rare. Um, it's much easier, I think, to kind of connect with guys who, you know, coming off the bench or like are, are young and are kind of on the come up like those guys I think are a lot easier to connect to because they haven't been burned so many times by media and obviously I'm not trying to burn them but um, they don't know that because they don't know me so I like to try to connect with 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 guys who you know might be a little bit more behind the scenes just because I think you know a lot of times they have a lot of really interesting stuff to say.
0: Yeah, and that's the hard part, right, is making sure that you you get the right questions. And John touched on that saying that was the hard, it's not the question you ask, it's how you frame the question to the guy to try and
1: get that guard down. So yeah, We've and, and on the topic, John. I would add to that too, it's like the topic that you're going to them with is really important as well. Yeah, if you're like, hey, you played like trash, then you know, <laughs> <laughs> talk- that's usually my first question. And then I follow up with the other
0: stuff. Yeah, like, why were you so bad? <laughs> yeah. Too many turnovers, too many turnovers. No, I get what you're saying though. No. And then, okay, so we've touched on two really good points. So let's kind of put you into a little bit of a self-reflective mode. Looking back at what you've done this year, what would be the one thing that you want to improve on over the offseason? It's a good
1: question. Um, there's, You know, it's a good question because as a journalist, you're usually pretty critical. So you're like, oh, well, here's 15 things that I want to improve on. Um, I mean, I, I think for me, I have a good understanding obviously I have a, like a, a good understanding of basketball I've played it I've you know watched it my whole life um, there's just like w- when you're around like coaches and players you just like you really get a sense for like oh man I know nothing like compared to these guys like you just can't because they spend all day watching film and studying film and not only watching and studying film but watching it with each other and learning you know from really high level basketball minds and I know I'm never gonna get to that point, because I'm not a player and I'm not a coach, but like, you always want to learn more about the game. You always want to understand how things are done, why things are done a little bit better. Um, And then I think the other thing too, it's just like some of the business stuff behind the scenes is really interesting. Like how, I mean, you know, obviously like the gossipy stuff is fascinating, but, but it's also really important. Like, you know, how does this player's agent you know, interact with this GM and does that make this player less likely to go to this team because the agent has, you know, had bad interactions with this GM or whatever it might be. Um, I think those things are fascinating. I think they're kind of, they're they're certainly talked about quite a bit, Um, but, and I think they are more and more sort of making up the puzzle of the league. Like this is kind of how a lot of things connect. Um, And it's not always talked about as much. I like, I think a lot of times people talk about player X makes sense with player Y Um, But they don't necessarily think about, okay, but like, these agents don't like each other or whatever. Like, I think those things are fascinating, too. So um, I would say those two things like more like a a better understanding of how, um, you know, all those puzzle pieces fit together. And then also just Yeah, I mean, like I cover basketball, I want to understand basketball really well, you know?
0: It's that real-time recognition, isn't it? Being able to say, hey, they've gone straight into the pistol and then they've come off the pistol and run a, a weak side floppy and being able to do that without having to get that second and third watching. I mean, it but, takes me four or five to get that kind of stuff. It's, it's And then you see Brad doing it instantaneously. It's crazy. It's insane. Uh, I, When you see people pulling it up on Twitter and stuff, you're like, I wonder how many times they watch that yeah to, to pick. and then if you ask them they'll be like, I'll call it on the first watch then no you didn't no, unless like you're a genius no it didn't happen like that but it if is anybody really cool. ever
1: if anybody ever sees me tweeting out a play know that it is on my third or fourth watch it was not, <laughs> it was not on the first two or sometimes
0: you'll think it's one type of play and then like five yeah.
1: watches later you'll be like no this is completely different
0: <laughs> and you're just so deflated at that point you're like i need to learn and uh, <laughs> it's
1: and then it explains why Brad has like no patience for a lot of those questions when you ask him in the huddle he's like well that's not really what was happening and you're like oh okay yeah well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if, I'm sorry <laughs>
0: basketball gods we bad no it, it's awesome. and then obviously the one thing that you kind of mentioned is how players fit and everything going on behind the scenes one thing that really interests me is how these rumors get out who's leaking information where and how do we get in touch with these leaks on a regular basis? Um, <laughs> that that would be like really interesting, uh, especially when you're thinking about is is a player's agent leaking it, is the player himself leaking it to put pressure on his agent? All those little cogs that are happening in the background um, are tough to. I'm assuming they're tough to get access to, right? They are, but
1: the interesting thing about them, though, is that you can like. You know, like in the Matrix, when Neo can start to like piece through like all the little like all the little like falling letters, and he can really start to see it. Like that, once you start to like get a sense of it, you're like, okay, so who is this helping? And that, and as soon as you kind of figure that out, it's pretty clear who is leaking what. Like, if this leak helps the player get more leverage, it's pretty, pretty clearly the agent. If this, you know, leak helps the team, it's pretty clearly the GM. And, uh, or, you know, if this team helps or if this leak help helps this team over this team, it was pretty clearly from, you know, the first one. So, um, it's like getting into the, like being the person doing the leaking is, is certainly, uh, you know, I think that's more challenging, but like, you can really start to see who is doing what, um, you know, pretty easily Once, once you like kind of take a step back and you're like, okay, I see how this all fits together. It's then
0: you just can't call them out on it because then uh, you're the bad guy, right?
1: What, yeah, I mean, you never want to be the bad guy in those situations because then you can, you know, uh, find yourself very much on the outside looking in. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's, uh, it's a complicated tightrope that I'm sure a lot of those guys, you know, especially like, you know, your Woj and your, your Shams and all those guys, it's a, it's a complicated tightrope to be walking for sure.
0: And then we're going to look at what your most difficult moment was of this evening. And I'm assuming there's a million of these. So if you could pick
1: one, what was the one aspect that you really struggled with? Well, I think the most difficult like individual moment actually was so March, I believe it was March 10. Um, I was debating whether or not I was going to get on a flight to go to Milwaukee um, for that for that Milwaukee game because I was supposed to cover that one. And uh, obviously, it was a huge game, you know, that the, my my editor to his, you know, enormous credit Jim Pignatello. He, he, he told me like, look, COVID is happening. Like, you don't have to go if you don't want to, you know, like, make your decision for yourself. And uh, um, and I, I had to decide whether or not, like, I thought that this, like, pandemic thing was actually going to, like, you know, if it was, like, for real, if it was something that, not, not if it was for real, but if it was something that, like, I should, you know, start being really careful about right now. I mean, Boston, Milwaukee was one of the biggest remaining games of the regular season. Like, it was a huge deal. So for me, like I did end up deciding like, okay, I guess I'm, I'm not going to go. And then obviously the season got canceled and it turned out to be very much the right decision. Um, but that was a, that, that was a really tough one because I, I really had to kind of come to a, uh, you know, I had to kind of come to a decision myself of like, okay, how seriously am I going to take this thing that not everybody is taking seriously yet? Um, obviously in retrospect, I'm really glad that I decided to take it seriously, but um, that was, you know, that was a tough one. And then I think, the toughest aspect, and I'm sure Corral has touched on this with you too. The toughest aspect in general, um, really was after the pandemic, trying to like come up with interesting stories, interesting angles without any of the access that, you know, I think makes a lot of us pretty good at what we do because what we're good at is, you know, kind of flying around the locker room, like talking to guys here and there, like getting little nuggets that people might want to read. It's impossible to do that over zoom because everybody's asking the same questions. Everybody's getting the same info. And, uh, you know it's it's just a very different just a very different thing so it was it was hard to come up with good stuff over the course of the uh over the course of all the zoom uh, availabilities and everything but um you know it's and obviously it's it's something that had to happen I'm, I'm glad that it did and I think you know huge shout out to the NBA for being able to complete its season as a result but it certainly made coming up with really good and unique stories a lot more difficult
0: If you'd have flown to
1: Milwaukee, would you have got stranded there? Did that cancel the flight? I would have. I would have had a much harder time getting back, for sure. Um, I haven't. Uh, at the time, I was wondering. I, I thought about that a bunch. At the time, I was wondering, like, if I would have had to maybe like rent a car and try to drive back from Milwaukee. If uh, if I would have felt comfortable hopping on a plane, I don't think I would have. Um, you know, and uh, yeah. So I mean, it it might have been like a, a matter of you know. I, wisconsin to massachusetts is a long drive but i think that's probably what i would have had to do um just to you know an abundance of caution and everything um but you know back then too it was like nobody knew how it was spread so nobody knew like if like if i get fast food on my way like if i'm driving and i get fast food am i gonna get covid from the bag you know that kind of thing so yeah it would have been uh it would have been a whole thing for sure (laughs)
0: Uh, you made the right decision then, and t- nobody knows how it spread at this point. I feel like everyone's still clutching at straws how you're catching this virus. <laughs> it's a, yeah. uh, it's a wild one. It really is a wild one. And then in terms of like the Zoom access and stuff, I kind of John touched on this, and it was like when you don't have that level of access, and then you're you're doing a lot more prose pieces, a lot more columns. Yeah. How does that kind of... I mean, because everybody that... Well, the majority of people that move into journalism come from a blogging career or like career in air quotes. Yes, yes. And what separates you is that level of access and then the level of pressure that you guys come under. You know, you have you have a lot tighter deadlines. You have more volume that you need to produce. How do you, how do you keep to those deadlines with that amount of volume, with how, having that extra access to kind of generate narratives from? Because that seems like I'd want to throw my head through a window.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so Corralis and I are lucky on, at, you know, at Massive, we don't have, um, because we're an online publication, um, our deadlines are basically just like, hey, when you're done with the story, you know, let's like kind of, you know, keep going from there. So um, that's that was helpful for sure. Um, because, yeah, I mean, with, with the Zooms, the, like, and this is true in the locker room as well, but a lot of times, you know, you'd get done with the game and it'd be like, okay, we got... Um, we got Kemba right away or whatever. We got, you know, uh, you know, Gordon right away. Um, but then, you know, it would be another half hour, 45 minutes before you would see Jalen. And, you know, th- that, that was tough um, for sure. Um, honestly, it was mostly for me, it was mostly just the coming up with the unique angles. Like, like, I mean, we, uh, they, they, especially during the playoffs, they sent out transcripts and all that. So it was, it was pretty easy to kind of get everything like transcribed and to have all of the information at your fingertips. It was just a matter of like, okay, what am I going to write that I know that Jay and Himmelsbach and Corrales and, you know, that all these guys, like, like what could I possibly write that I don't think that they're going to write? Um, and that was, I, I think that was, again, that was probably the biggest challenge of, of um, rather than, than deadlines and all that, because you do get pretty used to, you know, writing quickly and making sure that things go up fast. Um, that's not so much a challenge. It's much more just like, man, I, I, I don't, I don't want to sound the same as everybody else, so.
0: And that's the hard part, especially if you feel like you've probably done something very unique and then you post it and 20 seconds later, Jared Weiss posts something almost yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, um, I can imagine that would be
1: incredibly annoying. It's it's when you're working on a feature, one of the, I, I have obviously like most of my colleagues on text alert for Twitter and there's like nothing worse than um, a, a couple of times now I've been working on a story on somebody and I've seen one of their texts come across my phone and been like, he wrote a story about the exact same guy. And then I have to like open it up and be like, did he get all the same anecdotes I did? And usually it's, usually it's like unique enough that it's like, okay, we can both throw up the same Chemi story or whatever. But um, it is, uh, it, it is one of the, one of the higher pressure things when you're sitting on like a really good anecdote for a feature and you're just hoping and hoping that nobody else comes up with it too.
0: I admit, you know, when you've like wrote something and then like, especially for me, like I'll write something, and pull put it out and then somebody with far more clout than me drops something so so, and you're like i don't know why i bothered. it uh, (laughs) (laughs) it was too much but no it's fun and yeah it's kind of i like the fact that and john touched on this as well like how talented all you guys are in that celtics beat it's very much like an iron sharpens iron type of experience where if you want to break in then you need to get damn good damn fast and if you're in there you you guys are just clawing for every modicum of uh, relevance against each other.
1: It's true. I I will say though, I mean, I I think one of the nice things is that I think generally most of us, you know, like each other still, which is, I don't think that's always the case on some of these really competitive beats, you know, but like I can, I can absolutely go, you know, have a beer with Himmelsbach or or Jay, or I can, you know, uh, Forsberg is nice enough to, uh, he and I live in the same kind of region. So he's nice enough. Like we can carpool sometimes like it's, it's it's a really i think that's that's one nice thing because we're very competitive like you said um we have to be um but there is like certainly a level of like you know we're all we're all on the road like when you're on the road it's it's lonely i want to go hang out with somebody so um it's nice to have that as well so the
0: kind of the last question i'll lead into so we've looked at what you want to improve on, your tough points, your happy points, your like most relevant point. So this would be like your future aspiration. If you could choose pinpoint one aspect of your big journalism career, that's really going to take off, whether it be the podcast or the writing, or you do, you get an interview with like Kyrie Irving and Jason Tatum at the exact
1: same time. What would be that one aspiration for next season? So for me, I really enjoy um, sort of figuring out and mastering like new things. Um, I like, that's one of the reasons I've really enjoyed the podcast. Not that I've mastered it, but it's, it's, I I like, I like evolving. You know, I like, I like kind of getting good at, at something new. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's one thing with journalism where it's, you're going to have to keep evolving. You're always going to have to keep evolving because, um, you know, the way that people consume media is always evolving. You know, there's, um, YouTube, uh, you know, podcasts obviously are, are two ways right now. I think five years from now we'll probably have three or four completely new things that we can't see coming. And you know, every time you have to react to those things, I, I think that's really interesting. I, I enjoy trying to do that. So um, you know, that's that's certainly something like as as my career goes on. You know, I want to keep evolving. I want to master new skills. I want I want to get good at things. Um, you know, I and you know, obviously every journalist loves writing features. So certainly I want to continue to get better at writing features. I want to continue to get better at, you know, digging out um, interesting aspects of a guy's life that that people might not know about. But I think on sort of a broader scale, um, that's one thing that I really do appreciate about this industry is that like it, it is always challenging you and like kind of to what you were saying, you got to rise to the challenge right away. Like it's a, it's an iron sharpens iron thing. So um, yeah, I think that's that's something I certainly appreciate about what I do.
0: What was your experience? What was like that one, oh my God moment when you started podcasting? Because for me, it was just the amount of time that it took to learn how to edit proficiently. Um, <laughs> Jesus. I remember I recorded a podcast. This was going back years. Um, and you know where you have your spaces where people between speaking. So it's just, yeah. a blank. and I was like, well, these shouldn't be here. So I deleted <laughs> all of them. And it was like, you were playing the podcast on like 10 times speed. And it was just unlistenable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I actually have, I, I was in a band for a long time. So I actually have like a lot of experience with like audio um, recording. So that, that wasn't too hard for me. It was just when Nicole and I first started, we were like, we were just so nervous about like saying the wrong thing. And like, I mean, we would do like multiple takes of the podcast where we literally said the same thing like three or four times. We just didn't like how we said it before. And then as we got into it more, we were like, this is stupid. We should just, like, have a conversation, which I think is is why it's a lot better now than it was in its early days um, where we almost felt like we had to follow, like, a script, which was like, that's we're, – we're not doing – like, this isn't serial. We're not doing, like, a, a scripted podcast here. We can just chat. So um, so that was – I think for for us, that was our big challenge was just, like, getting over that initial, like, like, it's okay if – it's okay if it's not perfect. It's okay if you – say um a couple of times you know it's it's not the biggest deal in the world so um that was that was our biggest thing was just kind of getting over the uh the uncomfortable initial hump i think it's uh it's fun to do
0: though like i, I do probably four or five a week at this point and it's become second nature but whenever you have some, whenever you start new or you've got a new co-host it's so awkward yeah know? um and then everybody's waiting for somebody to speak and you're like <laughs> this is a nightmare yeah, but it does get better quite quickly yeah, for sure. So uh, that pretty much wraps up your exit interview. I'm assuming it's your first exit interview.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I was uh, I was an NBA player for so long, I got used to him, but now, yeah, it's, yeah. it's nice to have him back. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for jumping on. Did you want to plug your podcast or
0: anything like that? For you yeah,
1: absolutely. So um, the podcast is Geno Time. Uh, like you said, I host it with Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe. um You can find it on all the major uh, all the major outlets, and yeah corrales and i obviously are working at masslivecom slash celtics so you can check out everything we're doing there as well well thank you for jumping on today tom guys if you're listening
0: we'll be i've got a special guest dropping on thursday a nice little extra for you uh that one's a don't miss that's definitely going to be a fun one to listen to and then we'll be back with another media member for another exit interview on friday while i try to figure out what's going to happen once i run out of media members (laughs) we'll catch you guys (laughs) later